This is the Bible in one year, day 220. Money, a blessing or a curse? Lawrence was in charge of the finances of the church. He was also a deacon. There was a great revival taking place all around him. It was said that all of Rome were becoming Christians. As a result, persecution broke out under the Emperor Valerian in around the year AD 250. Christians who owned property distributed all the church's money and treasures to the city's poor. Valerian ordered all bishops, priests and deacons to be arrested and executed. He offered Lawrence a way out if he would show where all the church's treasures were located. Lawrence asked for three days to gather it into one central place. He brought together the blind, poor, disabled, sick, elderly, widows and orphans. When Valerian arrived, Lawrence flung open the doors and said, These are the treasures of the church. Valerian was so angry that he decided beheading was not terrifying enough for Lawrence. He ordered that this courageous man be roasted on a gridiron. That is how Lawrence died on the 10th of August, AD 258. Apparently he even joked with his executioners, You may turn me over now, I'm done on this side. His courage made such an impression that the revival in Rome only increased, with many people becoming Christians, including several senators who witnessed his execution. St. Lawrence had a profound understanding of the message of Jesus. He understood that the poor are the true treasures of the church. What should our attitude be to the poor? What about the rich? Is poverty a blessing or a curse? Are riches a blessing or a curse? Does the gospel promise prosperity? From Proverbs 19 A foolish child is a father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless go hungry. Whoever keeps commandments keeps their life, but whoever shows contempt for their ways will die. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Many other plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. Money is not everything. The book of Proverbs has a remarkably balanced understanding of wealth and poverty. Neither is seen as wholly good or wholly bad. They're understood as part of the wider fabric of life, and you're encouraged to use what you have wisely. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with houses or wealth, but there are more important things in life. Finding the right marriage partner is far more important than having lots of money. For those tempted to work too hard in pursuit of money or any other goal, it's important to remember the sovereignty of God. Many are the plans in a human heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Taking Sabbath rest and holidays is a sign that you trust in God's sovereignty. Wealth is not the most important thing in life, 
nor is poverty the worst thing that can happen to you. What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. We need love far more than we need riches. Integrity of character is far more important than money. On the other hand, this passage does not exalt poverty as a virtue. Sometimes poverty can be self-inflicted. Laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless go hungry. Whatever the reason may be for a person's poverty, be kind to the poor. Those who are kind to the poor lend to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. This is an extraordinary and wonderful promise. God is no person's debtor. Every time you do something kind for a poor person, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay with interest. Often we see amazing blessings in the lives of those who spend their time ministering with the poor, the homeless and the prisoners. Lord, I entrust you with my finances and my future. Help me to live a life of generosity to all, especially the poor. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 4 This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We're in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had ten thousand guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. 
he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Poverty of the Apostles On the outside, people were rich, honoured and strong. But the church in Corinth was a real mess. Paul points out that they were arrogant, proud and jealous. They tolerated sexual immorality and they went to court against each other. The Apostle Paul starts to tackle some of these issues. He sees in their lives the arrogance of the rich. They're proud of their material wealth. Paul explains, in a nutshell, why no one has any cause for pride. Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. They are rich like kings. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. There's a hint of sarcasm here. They're not really rulers at all. I wish that you really had begun to reign, so that we might come to rule with you. He contrasts their material wealth with the poverty of himself and the other apostles. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're mostly kicked around. Much of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces and we pick up odd jobs anywhere we can to eke out a living. Paul was one of the most influential Christians ever. His ministry was possibly the most successful of all time. However, it did not lead to material prosperity. Quite the opposite. He was materially poor. He did not have enough food. He did not have nice clothes. He was homeless. His poverty did not come about as a result of laziness. We work hard with our own hands, but like many poor people today, he was subject to abuse. He did not respond in kind. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Paul writes with great love, not to shame them, but to warn them. He sees them as a father sees his own children. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you, and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. Paul's heart was like that of a good father. A father's heart is gentle, kind, nurturing, training, persevering, and never gives up on people. This should be the attitude of a pastor. All human parents are less than perfect, but you are loved and nurtured by your perfect heavenly father and can seek to be a parent to others based on his heavenly model. Lord, thank you that I have received far more through Jesus than anything this world can offer. May I be willing to be a fool for Christ. Help me to imitate Paul's example. Old Testament from 1 Chronicles 26 and 27 
Their fellow Levites were in charge of the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries for the dedicated things. The descendants of Laden, who were Gershonites through Laden, and who were heads of families belonging to Laden the Gershonite, were Jehaeli, the sons of Jehaeli, Zetham and his brother Joel. They were in charge of the treasuries of the temple of the Lord. From the Amramites, the Isarites, the Hebronites, and the Azielites. Shubael, a descendant of Gershom, son of Moses, was the official in charge of the treasuries. His relatives, through Eliezer, Rehabiah, his son, Jeshiah, his son, Joram, his son, Zikri, his son, and Shalomith, his son. Shalomith and his relatives were in charge of all the treasuries for the things dedicated by King David, by the heads of families who were the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and by the other army commanders. Some of the plunder taken in battle they dedicated for the repair of the temple of the Lord. And everything dedicated by Samuel the seer, and by Saul son of Kish, Abner son of Ner, and Joab son of Zeruiah, and all the other dedicated things were in the care of Shalomith and his relatives. From the Israelites, Kenaniah and his sons were assigned duties away from the temple as officials and judges over Israel. From the Hebronites, Hashabiah and his relatives, 1,700 able men, were responsible in Israel west of the Jordan for all the work of the Lord and for the king's service. As for the Hebronites, Jeriah was their chief according to the genealogical records of their families. In the fortieth year of David's reign, a search was made in the records, and capable men among the Hebronites were found at Jazer in Gilead. Jeriah had 2,700 relatives who were able men and heads of families, and King David put them in charge of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh for every matter pertaining to God and for the affairs of the king. 1 Chronicles chapter 27 This is the list of the Israelites, heads of families, commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and their officers who served the king in all that concerned the army divisions that were on duty month by month throughout the year. Each division consisted of 24,000 men. In charge of the first division for the first month was Jashobiam, son of Zabdiel. There were 24,000 men in his division. He was a descendant of Pires and chief of all the army officers for the first month. In charge of the division for the second month was Dodai the Ahohite. Mikloth was the leader of his division. There were 24,000 men in his division. The third army commander for the third month was Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. He was chief, and there were 24,000 men in his division. This was the Benaiah, who was a mighty warrior among the thirty, and was over the thirty. His son, Amizabad, was in charge of his division. The fourth, for the fourth month, was Azahel, the brother of Joab. His son, Zebediah, was his successor. There were 24,000 men in his division. The fifth, for the fifth month, was the commander Shamhuth, the Israelite. There were 24,000 men in his division. The sixth, for the sixth month, was Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite. There were 24,000 men in his division. 
the seventh for the seventh month was Heles, the Pelonite, an Ephraimite. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The eighth for the eighth month was Sibachai, the Hushathite, a Zerahite. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The ninth for the ninth month was Abiezer, the Anathathite, a Benjaminite. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The tenth for the tenth month was Maharai, the Natophathite, a Zerahite. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The eleventh for the eleventh month was Benaiah, the Perathonite, an Ephraimite. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The twelfth for the twelfth month was Heldai, the Natophathite, from the family of Othniel. There were twenty-four thousand men in his division. The leaders of the tribes of Israel. Over the Reubenites, Eliezer, son of Zichri. Over the Simeonites, Shephatiah, son of Maacah. Over Levi, Hashabiah, son of Kemuel. Over Aaron, Zadok. Over Judah, Elihu, a brother of David. Over Issachar, Omri, son of Michael. Over Zebulun, Ishmaiah, son of Obadiah. Over Naphtali, Jeremoth, son of Azriel. Over the Ephraimites, Hoshea, son of Azaziah. Over half the tribe of Manasseh, Joel, son of Padiah. Over the half tribe of Manasseh and Gilead, Ido, son of Zechariah. Over Benjamin, Jehaziel, son of Abner. Over Dan, Azarel, son of Jeroham. These were the leaders of the tribes of Israel. David did not take the number of the men twenty years old or less, because the Lord had promised to make Israel as numerous as the stars in the sky. Joab, son of Zeruiah, began to count the men but did not finish. God's wrath came on Israel on account of this numbering, and the number was not entered in the book of the annals of King David. As Maveth, son of Adiel, was in charge of the royal storehouses, Jonathan, son of Uzziah, was in charge of the storehouses in the outlying districts, in the towns, the villages, and the watchtowers. Ezrai, son of Kelob, was in charge of the workers who farmed the land. Shimei, the Ramathite, was in charge of the vineyards. Zabdai, the Shifmite, was in charge of the produce of the vineyards for the wine vats. Baal Hanan, the Gedirite, was in charge of the olive and sycamore fig trees in the western foothills. Joash was in charge of the supplies of olive oil. Shitrei the Sharonite was in charge of the herds grazing in Sharon. Shaphat, son of Adlei, was in charge of the herds in the valleys. Obil, the Ishmaelite, was in charge of the camels. Jediah, the Moronathite, was in charge of the donkeys. Jazes, the Hagrite, was in charge of the flocks. All these were the officials in charge of King David's property. Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of insight and a scribe. Jehiel, son of Hagmoni, took care of the king's sons. Ahitophel was the king's counselor. Hushai, the archite, was the king's confidant. Ahitophel was succeeded by Jehoiada, son of Benaiah, and by Abiathar. Joab was the commander of the royal army. Riches of Kings When Paul wrote, Already you have become rich, 
you have begun to reign? Perhaps he had kings like King David in mind. David was rich. He had great treasuries. He had royal storehouses. He had vineyards, wine vats, olive and sycamore trees, supplies of olive oil, herds, camels and donkeys, flocks and property. Finances are not unspiritual. For example, the worship of God usually takes place in buildings. Buildings cost money. Running the financial side of a church is an important role. The Levites were put in charge of the financial affairs of the temple. They supervised the finances of the sanctuary of God. Shubael was the chief financial officer. Material wealth was often seen in the Old Testament as a sign of God's blessing. It is still true that godly character, hard work, reliability, integrity and honesty are characteristics that often can lead to success and material prosperity. However, as we've seen in the New Testament passage for today, this is not the whole picture. Over the years, I've come across a number of very rich Christians. Some of them are among the godliest and most committed believers I've known. Their riches are not necessarily a sign of God's blessing, but neither are they something bad. The key thing is how you see your money and what you do with it. Lord, help us to get the balance right in our teaching and in our lifestyle. May we never be guilty of condemning or judging those whom you have blessed with material prosperity. May we be generous and give freely and be willing to go hungry and thirsty in rags and homeless if necessary in order to serve you. Pepper adds, Proverbs 19 verse 13 says, A quarrelsome wife is like constant dripping. Before pointing out the mess any of my family have made, I do think about this verse. I don't want to be accused of being a dripping tap. <laughs>